what are the, the challenges that uh, we see as we look to expand from a pilot to a nationwide program that that is really taking care of, um, of, of everybody and black women in particular? Racism and MAGA republicanism. Mm. Mm. Straight to the point. Welcome to Racism is Profitable, a podcast about the role of racism in our economy. I am Solana Rice, co-founder and co-executive director of Liberation in a Generation Action, and I am joined by my co-founder, co-executive director, Jeremy Greer. What's up? It's been a while, folks. It's We've been, been a, a little hiatus. It's been a minute, but we're back. We're back, and the government is still running. Hey. Surprise, surprise. Because, you know, while we were gone, the, the federal government went through its annual exercise. Uh, really, not like annual. It's almost become like it's, two, three times uh, yeah, a year, year, it seems, where, yeah. where they... Congress first was shutting down the government where, you know, they have an obligation to pass appropriation bills to fund the government. And every couple times a year, it seems they come around, they say, well, maybe we won't do that. And then they go all the way up until the, the very deadline, last minute, the very last minute is Saturday and, you know, overnight sessions. And then they say, ah, we found an agreement and the government's going to stay open. But the, thing was there's some real consequences with this one usually it's consequenceless you know they just yeah. do it and the government starts running again but this time there are some consequences for particular people and this time uh kevin mccarthy mm. was voted out mm. as speaker of the house of representatives he caught one and the funny thing is this is like he was already on thin ice because remember when they elected him you know yeah. earlier in the year they were like you know hemming, they went hawing, like, hemming, hawing. like a ridiculous number of votes i can't even remember how many votes but like a ridiculous number of votes and you know he didn't have the votes and all the democrats voted against him um this time the democrats were like you ain't your own bro like <laughs> we ain't voting like whatever whatever you and like they voted him out. Uh, it's a lot of you been tracking this. Any any thoughts on what the what the, what the hell this is about? <laughs> well, I I am particularly. I did. I watched AOC's um, explanation of the the rundown, and it was. You know, it was interesting AOC to think of drops the facts. So yes, that's, that's a good source. That's a good source. That's a good, I, I, you know, and I can take it with a grain of salt as well. And, you know, this idea that he had made a lot of promises to, to people that he just hadn't fulfilled and mm. really, you know, oddly was like, you know what? Any one of y'all could take me out. And so if, if one of y'all want to take me out, fine, fine. I will, I will exit. I will vacate. I got a kind of like that's unusual i feel like mm -hmm. you can say one thing at the beginning and then be mm -hmm. like i didn't say that i don't know what you mean oh you can't really be against me being speaker no way um but it doesn't help all the chaos that ensued like it mm -hmm. doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it's like uh admirable on one end and on the other end it's like, well, now what we what are we in for? Like, yeah, it's the devil we don't know, but 
we have so many other things to focus on and worry about than this yeah. these shenanigans. Yeah, stuff is stuff is hurting, and you know it's very it's a real real like contrast from like the way that Nancy Pelosi operated as speaker, mm. where like. Yo, fall in line. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you, you did not, you did not cross Nancy. Like it was like <laughs> fall in line, or 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 you're not gonna like what happened. Yeah. And so it was like so watching this like chaos ensue with like this lack of leadership is just like real, like shocking because Nancy was like no, and you know she had her lieutenants like Lakeem Jeffries, the current uh, minority yeah. leader in Congress, and like. Yo, you you got in line and you you did what it was, and, and there wasn't any any of this foolishness or shenanigans while she was running things. So you know, I do think so. Two things. I think one, the chaos is problematic because it does keep us from focusing on yeah. actually okay. advancing policies yeah. and um, being able to to call out things. And it did, and the budget the the government shutdown always does incite fear for mm-hmm. folks who depend on government resources. Yeah. You know, I you know, people that are receiving social security checks and healthcare and yeah. benefits and things like that and jobs. You know, it it every every time one of these ensues, it's like, oh, it does create stress. Um and our representatives uh, try to do a great job in saying like, don't worry, this is what it means and providing all of the the information. But between the chaos and the the fragility, <laughs> the seeming fragility of the constancy of our, our government or our governance, it can create a sense of like we can't depend on the federal government. And the federal government is not something that's is for us. And in the end, mm-hmm. that's a mechanism for keeping racism profitable as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the chaos is... So if you want status quo, you don't want things to change. You want the billionaires to continue to get their tax breaks. You want um, you know, people of color to continue to, to have to fight and struggle just to get by. This chaos suits you because the chaos feeds the status quo. Because yeah. in order to change all of these things we need changes to happen from congress we need new policies we need broad big bold policies that that center black people that the center immigrant folks in a way that they've never been centered before and that requires congress to act and this chaos is what holds us back from acting and i think you called it too it's like especially for for black folks we know they already ain't really trusting these folks yeah. Um, up here to begin with, and then right. people see all this madness, and they're like, "Yeah, right." There they go again. Wash it up. You know, they ain't gonna do nothing. They ain't gonna do nothing for us. So it's 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 if you're invested in the status quo, this chaos actually fits you, and and it, and it serves your agenda, it and, and it's kind of the point of Trump, right? Like, mm, he yeah, this to like feed this chaos, you know? Yeah, and, you know, so. Well, we have on today's pod, Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman, who is definitely a departure from the chaos, (laughs) as a matter of fact, has spent her career uh, uh, focusing on public service. 
She is the first Black woman to represent New Jersey in Congress, and uh, we have had the pleasure of working with her on many issues to center the needs uh, of Black women and girls, and we're going to have her on the pod today to talk about her reintroduced bill, the Guaranteed Income Pilot Program Act. So, hello. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Representative Bonnie Watson-Coleman. How are you doing today? Well, we've got a lot going on here today, you know, <laughs> being briefed on what's happening in Israel, making sure that Ukraine isn't forgotten, making sure that we recognize that um, Hamas is... Do not com complete Hamas and Palestinians and that there are people that we need to yeah. be protecting yeah. that are in Gaza as well. And then, oh, well, we don't have any leadership right now in the House of Representatives. So we're waiting to see what Republicans yeah. are going to tell us they'd like to see happen with that regard. So a lot, a lot's happening here on the Hill today. Yeah, I, I wonder if you could, before we get into what we wanted to talk about, which is your work around um, guaranteed income, but w I wonder if you could just talk a bit about like, what's it like being in Congress with, with this chaos around the speakership and kind of like, I'll use my word, a leadership list kind of Republican party that you're supposed to work with to get stuff done. So we've actually been experiencing that since January when it took mm -hmm. 15 votes to get the speaker um, uh, elected by the majority in the House of Representatives. I mean, they've spent their time wasting our time doing just damaging legislation that's never going to see the light of day, uh, deflecting from the needs of people all over this country, and just, you know, manufacturing all kinds of uh, things to deal with, like um, trying to impeach a president for stuff that wasn't even on the books when he was president, you know? Um, so it's it's been chaotic from January now, as as a result of the um, vacation vacating the seat. Uh, we we don't know where we're going. I mean, we've heard a couple of candidates. None of them, neither one of those candidates, are really acceptable for their own personal reasons and political reasons, and because they've not shown leadership and bipartisanship uh, while. While in Congress, we think that the people of this country need us to work in a more bipartisan way. And in order to do that, then they've got the Republican majority has got to realize that there are people that have greater expectations of them than they've demonstrated the capacity or the desire or the ability mm. to meet. So mm. right now we're in a whole wait. Let's see. We've got we got Ukraine issues to have to deal with. We've got. You know, the whole um, uh, war with Israel and Hamas that we have to deal with. And, and we need to have some regular order in the House of Representatives. So we need everybody to pray for us. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll do. We'll do. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am struck by your experience um, in Congress and, and politics. Often we talk about what we need to create is called a liberation economy. It's an economy that we've never seen. 
Um, our movement must achieve things that we've never done before. You have a series of firsts in your career, right? You, you're the first Black woman to serve as majority leader in New Jersey as uh, General Assembly, um, as the chair of the New Jersey Democratic Committee, the first Black woman to represent New Jersey in Congress, right? So what does it take to achieve things that have never been done before? I think it takes a re- a close relationship with your with uh, your God, and to listen to how you are being moved, pushed, put in place, um, found, found by others who saw something in you and wanted to push you into another direction or or, or give you greater authority or or platform. I think you've got to be willing to take that risk because it means you. You're being taken out of your comfort zone because you didn't have, I didn't have any desire to be in Congress. Um, I reluctantly ran for the assembly to succeed my father who had died and had given his life in service uh, as, as an assemblyman in the state of New Jersey. It was my way of keeping him alive and honoring him. I don't know how mm. uh, the then gubernatorial candidate decided that I should be his next uh, uh chairman of the party. And and um, then I become the majority leader of, of the assembly. And then I have people who tell me I need to run for Congress. And so I think that that's a calling on my life. And I had to be willing to step out, make sure I, I had my family with me, make sure I was hearing the right message, and then, uh, you know, be ready. And then when, when you find yourself as a black woman put into these spaces, I knew I had to be double, triple ready. I had to be more prepared. Mm-hmm. I had to be stronger. Mm-hmm. I had to be more confident. Um, and I needed to be grounded in what I believed. And so if people are going to select me or elect mm-hmm. me, they needed to know what they were going to get. And that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what happened to me. Wow. That that's great, and and we've had the just privilege to work with you and your staff since being being in Congress. You know, you were the co-chair of the Congressional Caucus for Black Women and Girls, and earlier this year we worked with you to develop a report, uh, report, and, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, an economy for all, building a Black women best legislative agenda, and I it, it was you know. It's great working with you with you on that. And there's a lot of important policies in that uh, in that report that that really should be, I, you know, we believe all of them should be in front of the Congress. And we'll talk about one of those in a moment. But I wonder if you could talk a bit about like why focus on Black women, why why the real laser focus on on Black women. So we forever hear this cliche about all boats rising, yeah. mm-hmm. and so that's about what this is. If you look at Black women, their significant impact on the wellness of our communities, our states, and our countries. If you look at the uh, uh, amount of responsibility that they've had to be either the single um, wage earner or the single parent, uh, how they've had to show up to protect their kids in school and in communities, how we've had to deal with the whole criminal justice system, how black women have 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 suffered uh, in, in their communities and even in their relationships, and how we have, in spite of all of that, 
We have uh, gone to college, gone to trade school, become educated, equipped, ready, brilliant, and everything, and brighten all that good stuff. But still, no one, the system, would not treat us equally. So while we have all of this, these attributes and work very hard, we find ourselves at the lowest end of the economic rung. And so why is that? You know, why are there so many barriers for educated black women or just black women in general? Uh, these barriers are artificially created. And so an amazing, brilliant woman, um, Janelle Jones, Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Janelle Jones came up with yeah. this sort of vision. Well, look, if, if you really want to make things better, then go to where the most vulnerable lie, direct your attention and your solutions around eliminating the barriers that are preventing that person from moving ahead that have nothing to do with being ready, willing, and able, but are systemic in nature or resource-related in nature. If you eliminate those, then you create an opportunity for all boats to be lifted. Because if they correct something for me, then mm -hmm. the other folks are going to get the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love the framing around that it's not a us, them. Right. It's like you, you, you help, help black everybody. women help everybody. It's not a like, why, you know, why, why not my group or this group or that group or that? It's, it's a real focus on you help black women. Everyone will benefit. And that, that's what, that's what. And you know, and the thing is, is that while you're helping everyone, you're hurting no one. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the policies in the report particularly uplifts guaranteed income. And you just uh, introduced a, a bill called the Guaranteed Income Pilot Program Act of 2023. Um, why is this so important in this moment? You just mentioned all the things that we have um, at our door um, worldwide. Uh, but why is, why is guaranteed income so important in this moment and for Black women in so particular? So I reintroduced it. I introduced it first in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and this is my mm -hmm. thinking behind it. And, and actually, there are studies supporting that this is a good thing to do. And we saw the benefit of some of this not played out necessarily as guaranteed income, but during the pandemic, when we, when we did the child mm -hmm. tax credit and we sent some other money out to communities with little strings attached to it. And so the premise is, I mean, first of all, poverty is a choice. We can eliminate poverty because we can make billionaires billionaires. We can do all kinds mm -hmm. of um, uh, tax incentives and tax breaks and tax this and loopholes that to make the very, very, very wealthy wealthier. During the pandemic, we gave out um, PPP money to keep businesses, small businesses, some of which even members of Congress uh, benefited from. And we sent out money to communities and to, and to families and to women to put food on the table and childcare and, and um, child tax credits and things of that nature. And what we saw was that that eliminated a good portion of poverty as it related to our children. And so people didn't waste money. They didn't go out and do things. 
They spent it on the things that they needed to make sure that their families were sheltered and fed and protected. So it seems to me to be a no-brainer. If people have more money, mm -hmm. they can spend that money to make sure that their families are healthy, their communities are safe, their shelters are decent. Everybody, nobody wants to, to be homeless. Nobody wants to live in shelters. Nobody wants to be hungry. Nobody needs to figure out whether or not they can feed themselves or take their medicine. And that's not necessary in the United States of America. And so we've seen some isolated projects where money has been given uh, out to certain families in certain communities like in Stockton. And, what, and then there has been studies behind it, what they used it for. And they used it to elevate their quality of life. And that's it. And so the federal government has an obligation to be a good steward of all the taxpayers' resources coming in from around the country and to protect every citizen in every person in this country. So what does that take? We don't have a whole bunch of discussion when we're giving a trillion dollar breaks to rich people. So why are we going to have a, a whole convoluted discussion and argument and debate about how you lift up those who are at the poorest rung? And that's what guaranteed income is. It is, this is a bill that I know we have to do things, you know, incrementally. So we're looking at 20,000 population. We're looking at a control group of 10,000. We're looking at um, an, an authorized spending level of something like almost $500 million over a three-year period. Um, people would be selected by HHS, which would select a, an academic and scholarly institutions to try to work out the mechanisms here. But these families that would be selected would be given X number of dollars on a monthly basis over that period of time. And there would be periodic checks uh, done, studies done, surveys done on how well this is working. And that's it. It's as simple. Mm -hmm. It is as simple as that. And so the amount of money a family would get would be linked to the cost of a two-bedroom house or mm -hmm. apartment in their um, in their zip code, and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so it would change depending upon where it is. We'd like to get a sort of um, a sampling across the country mm -hmm. in different areas, mm -hmm. and we don't want anybody. Um, determined eligible or ineligible because he or she is receiving other federal benefits. This is something that is above and beyond what little we've already given people, which hasn't taken them out of poverty in the first doggone place. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so important to, to recognize. I really like the idea of being able to afford um, <laughs> having this be tied to being able to afford where you live. Yeah. You know, there isn't a place in this nation where you can earn minimum wage and rent a one bedroom apartment, nowhere. It just yeah. doesn't exist. So that's really great. Um, and so we're mostly focusing on families 
we need at least to think about the cost of living in a two-bedroom, at least. Yep, exactly. And I really appreciate the idea that this does not replace our safety net. This is not about, oh, we'll just give people a lump sum and then we yeah. can be done. No, no, no. We've whittled away at the safety net for so, so many years. This cannot be um, a replacement for that. Yeah, and you, you said it. It's a no-brainer. Study after study has shown that, that how people use money, which which we know we're, we're studying. So you say, and I wonder, um, you know, with this bill, it seems like this bill is part of it is to get at some of the... Um, you know, the, the kind of what I'll say is like wild criticisms of guaranteed income that come, you know, and I wonder, you know, if you could talk a bit about what are the, the challenges that uh, we see as we look to expand from a pilot to a nationwide program that that is really taking care of, um, of, of everybody and black women in particular. Racism and MAGA republicanism. Mm. Mm. Straight to the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah we need to be building a greater external um, will and voice because mm -hmm. there are some people in this country at certain income levels that get what they want without having to do anything. It's just, you know, what you want is what you get. Mm -hmm. But there are people that we'd like to address the needs of who need to have people advocating loudly on their behalf. And so we need to get out of this stereotype that we are unworthy or underworthy mm. or subhuman or whatever, simply because we haven't had the benefit of the system working on our behest and our behalf for so long. And so in order to do that, we have to have these conversations and academic environments and social justice environments and nonprofit environments and in the church and every place else. People need to understand that poverty is a choice. It is not something that we have to live with. And that government has a responsibility to ensure that nobody in this country, not a child, not an adult, not an elderly person, Nobody should be forced to live beneath a certain floor. And that floor should be a decent quality of life. Now, we're not going to all be able to live in six and eight and 10 bedroom mansions, but we can live in the mm -hmm. housing that is safe and sanitary and decent and meets the needs of the family. We can ensure that we have jobs that pay wages that will be able to support these families living in decent houses and communities and things of that nature. We have education opportunities that are affordable and accessible for all. That's the, this is the United States of America. And I don't think that we're asking too much of this country, of this government, of these taxpaying dollars that come into this government to be used in that purpose. Well, thank you, Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman. Um, our last question here is, what should listeners know? What should listeners do? You, you've called us to um, be courageous, be open to the possibilities, 
to set aside narratives of deservedness, to recognize that we do not have advocates and lobbyists <laughs> like the moneyed interests do, yet we still deserve representation and the all of the the greatness and the resources of our our governments. Um, what else would you want listeners to take away? That black people who vote change change the outcome of elections. Mm -hmm. That's how important we are. Yep. And so that first and foremost, no matter how mad you might be, you got to get out there and vote. And you better pay attention to what the person is saying that you're thinking about supporting mm. so that you know that your interests are going to be represented. And so as Black people, we need to be talking to our friends, our churchgoers, our, our, our folks in the mall, everywhere, every supermarket, I don't care, wherever, <laughs> in the family. Because I, I found out one of my little cousins hadn't registered to vote. I'm like, you're part of my family. How could you not be registered? You better get registered to vote. And you better make sure that you do vote. But then we also need to be talking about our allies. Mm. Because we have allies. They say they are our allies. So we need you to be educated on what we're thinking about, what we're talking about, and what we've determined that we need. Not what you determined that we need, but what we've determined what we need. And we need you to be using your voice with that message also. And then we need to be flooding the calls to um, our Congress and Senate representatives all over the country. Because you probably have a listenership, a view viewership from red states to purple states to blue states. Everybody needs to hear what you think is important. This Guaranteed Income uh, uh, Act is very important. It could change lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to institute things like that. I not only have a guaranteed income program, I got a guaranteed jobs program. Mm -hmm. So there is a, um, a, a spectrum of work that needs to be done. And we need to educate ourselves uh, you know, speak out, come out, talk to people like me and, and our staff. And I, I do have an incredible staff. So thank you for, you, do. At, at, you know, you letting me know yeah. how good it is to work with them. I'm very blessed. I tell them they're intentionally selected. <laughs> but, but, you know, have conversations with us. Take a look at some of the members that you're interested in, the kind of legislation that they have in the hopper that you think you can support and work with. Um, the member on that as well. And then use your connections to get the, the word out. Yeah. This is all about, I, I believe, and this is a government of by and for mm. the people. And at the end of the day, if the people would just stay engaged and just understand that their one person participation can change things, then we could really, I, I think make a big difference on behalf of those we love and respect and, and care for so much. Thank you for your time. Thank My you pleasure. for your leadership you. and your service to our nation. Thank you very much. Take Thanks. care. Keep on working. We'll work yes, together. Yes, yes. More on guaranteed uh, jobs as well. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our list of episode resources and visit us at liberationnagenerationaction.org. Shout out to our producer and audio editor, Nino Fernandez, the design team at TrimTab, and the LibGen Action communications team. Like what you heard? Help us make some noise by telling two friends about the Racism is Profitable podcast. Until next time, y'all. Peace.